0: All right, as you take your seat, take out your Bible, go to Mark chapter 4. We are going to wrap up chapter 4 this morning. And we're going to look at a a passage that's probably familiar to you, the the account of Jesus calming the Sea of Galilee. Now, in the Old Testament, in the story of Jonah, we see a a prophet, see a man of God, who is given a mission to, from God. For for Jonah, his mission was to go and and proclaim God's judgment that's coming upon uh, the residents of a city called Nineveh. Now in in that story, our, our hero is not really very heroic at all because we immediately see him running from God and from his assignment only to encounter a storm in the middle of his Disobedience. Now, after being nearly killed, only then did Jonah begrudgingly carry on his assignment. And he went to Nineveh and proclaimed God's judgment that was coming upon them. If you remember the story, the, there's a great revival that breaks out. The city repents, and, and God says, okay, because you have repented, because you have turned away from your sin, I'm not going to bring this this judgment that that was going to come upon you. and, And Jonah is absolutely livid because he hates the Ninevites. Now in today's passage, we're going to see Jesus, a man of God, also encountering a great storm. But unlike Jonah, The storm comes not because of Jesus' disobedience, but in fact it comes in the middle of his radical obedience to God. We're going to see the disciples' continued lack of faith in Jesus, the Messiah. Now, really quickly, before we dive into our passage this morning, I want want to talk just a second about Jesus's humanity because we're going to see really his his humanity on full display and also his divinity. We're going to see both natures of Jesus on display here. Uh, So we say that we believe Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, but we don't often talk about his humanity. We'll we'll talk a lot about uh, how Jesus is the Son of God. We've certainly seen that so far in Mark, as, as he's, had, he's shown his authority over things like diseases, over things like demons. With just a word, Jesus cast out demons, and with a word, he healed people of diseases and, and of physical impairments. We don't often talk about his humanity. Well, we'll talk about it at Christmas, right, when we, when we cover the birth story. But in, in today's passage, we're going to see both parts of his nature on full display. And, and so really quickly, I just want to cover what, what the Bible teaches about Jesus's humanity. And the first, first place is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This is on the screen. You don't have to, don't have to turn there. It says this, for, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted every way as we are, yet without sin. So, so here the Bible declares that Jesus experienced life the way you and I experienced it. He, he experienced temptation to sin the same way that we experienced it, and yet never gave in to that temptation. This means that this means we can trust Him, because there was never. Think, think about this, there was never, not for one single second in his entire life did Jesus not trust completely in God. It's incredible. And then in 2 Corinthians 5:21 speaking of the sinlessness of, of Jesus it says this he made the he God made the one who did not know sin that would be Jesus to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? So we have a high priest. We have one who experienced life the way that we experience it and yet was without sin. Never not trusted God and now we can, we can follow his example. We can trust in him as the one sent from God to be the Savior, to die in our place. Okay? Okay? So we're going, to see, we're going to see both these things on display this morning. I wanted to, to touch on a bit of Jesus' humanity right before we get started. Now, here's our big idea for the morning. That is this. Jesus has power and authority over all things. And Because of that, we can trust him in all things. He has power and he has authority over all things, and therefore we can trust him in all things. We're going to see... Specifically this morning, his, his authority over nature, and then we'll, we'll look back at, at some of the ways that he's shown his authority over other areas of um, creation as well. So if you will, uh, turn to Mark chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 35. Let's stand as we read the word the Lord has given to us this morning. Mark 4, 35 says this, On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this great story that many of us are familiar with. Jesus showing his power over nature. This morning, I pray you would open our hearts and our minds to to see how Christ Jesus is Lord of all. Because of that, we can trust in Him, no matter what we may face in life. We can trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We ask all these things in His mighty name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. You see, the title this morning is, is simply this who then is this? comes right out of verse 41. Because we're, this morning we see a really uh, interesting story about Jesus standing up and simply with a word, uh, telling wind and waves to stop, and they obey his command. Now the disciples have seen some stuff so far, but they haven't seen anything like this. And that causes them, these these men that have been walking with Jesus, that causes them, it says in, in verse 41, to be terrified and to ask among themselves, who then is this? And as we'll see at the end, that's a question each of us has to ask. Each of us must come to a conclusion on. Who then is this? Who is this Jesus? First thing we see in this passage is that God is in control even when we can't see it. All right, let's look at verses 35 through 37. It says, On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and the other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Now, Jesus gave them a guarantee in this passage. You might notice it there in verse 35. He said, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Now, now you and I could, could say, let's go to Las Cruces, and Lord willing, we'll make it there, right? I mean, if the car doesn't break down and no, nothing happens along the way, there's, there's you know, we're at least we used to say in texas the good lord will and the creek don't rise right that's that's what's going to happen keep in mind jesus is not you and i he doesn't just say hey this is a good idea he tells his disciples we're going to the other side he is in control and if they understood who jesus was that should have been enough of a guarantee that no matter what happened, they were going to the other side. So the question is, would they believe that truth? Now, it's important to remember um, that at the very beginning of chapter 4, we're told there was a large crowd that gathered around him, so he got into a boat on the sea and sat down. Now, we looked at that several weeks ago. This is all happening in one day. Okay? All of chapter 4 is one day. Because at the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus goes out and he's standing on a boat on the water, teaching a large crowd of people. And our passage today, he says, on that day, when evening had come. So he'd been teaching all day long. He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Okay? Now... um, they're going away for, for, for what reason? Well, for, for one, it's been a long day as we've seen crowds follow Jesus everywhere he went. He could not get a moment alone. We know he had, he had other places he needed to preach. He had other, other ministries that he needed to attend to. And, and quite honestly, it could be simply that he's exhausted. We'll see that in, in a second. Let's go to the other side. I, I need to preach, but, but I need to rest before we go, before we carry on. So let's go to the other side of the sea. Now, the, the, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, which is technically, it's, it's called a sea. Uh, you also see it in, in places in the Bible called the Lake of Gennesaret. It's, it's a lake. It's a large lake. And it's surrounded by mountains. Now, the Sea of Galilee is the, lo- is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. It's over 600 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by mountains. And even today, there are violent storms that come upon the lake suddenly, out of nowhere. Okay, so, so they're out on the lake. And suddenly, we're told, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat. So the, so the boat was already being swamped. So the question here is, would the disciples believe that Jesus is who he's claiming to be? They've seen him heal diseases. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him uh, br- heal, heal those that were paralyzed. Will they trust that they're in good hands with Christ Jesus? That leads us to the second point here. First of all, we said that God's in control even when we can't see it. Secondly, when we are faced with trials, we have two Possible responses. We can respond in fear or we can respond in faith. See that in verse 38. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion, so they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Uh, disciples are in full fear mode. Okay? Now, I, I will say this. Let's give, them some, let's give them a break because remember... Uh, at least four of the disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, were career fishermen. Jesus called them from the shores of the Sea of Galilee and told that they left their nets to follow after Jesus. So they spent their lives fishing on the Sea of Galilee. This was not the first storm they had experienced, and these fishermen are fearing for their lives. So this is not just a a normal storm. This this is a bad one, and these fishermen, Lifelong fishermen who've spent many hours out on this lake are fearing for their lives. It's bad. Okay? Meanwhile, Jesus is fast asleep. I told you we're going to see his humanity on display here. Why is he fast asleep? What spiritual lesson can we learn from the fact that he's fast asleep? You know what we learn here? He's tired. That's what we learn. He is exhausted. And he's in the back of the boat asleep on the cushion and even the, the, the rocking of the boat is not enough to wake him. <laughs> Wives might understand what it's like to have a sleeping individual who will not wake up. <laughs> at least Michelle tells me that's, that's how I am at times. Okay. But I think he's also asleep because he has a complete trust in the Father. Even in the middle of a violent storm, he knows that God is in control. Now, for the disciples, don't we learn something about what it means to trust Christ in the middle of really bad circumstances? Isn't that where the rubber meets the road of the life of faith? When when things are not going well. When life is a struggle, that's when faith oftentimes becomes real. So how do you respond when you face trials? Now, I I don't want to take this out of context and say that because Jesus calmed the storm on the sea, he can calm all the storms in your life. I think think that goes too far. And I think that goes beyond what the story teaches here. But what we see in this story is that God is in complete control. See, so far we've seen Jesus cast out demons. We've seen him heal disease. And now we're about to see him in control even of nature itself. We're going to see that he is in control of all things. And in this case, if if when faced with trials, we can respond in, in fear or in faith, this instance exposes a severe lack of faith in Jesus on the part of the disciples. They're going to have to, Jesus is going to call that out in a minute. He's going to, he's going to expose. Sometimes the, the only way that our uh, faith grows is by having a lack of faith exposed, right? Having this, this area of my life is one that I'm, I'm just not comfortable right now for whatever reason releasing and letting Christ have complete sovereignty and control over. And sometimes those, those, those areas have to be exposed before we're able to allow him to step in and take control. make no mistake, we we see this as well. Jesus is the sovereign creator of all things. Look at verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, like, like almost to the point. He's going. Did you wake me up for this? Are you serious right now? Like, did 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 you not think that I was in control? Did you think that this storm escaped the sovereign hand of Almighty God and he, like, you had to wake him up? And oh no, there's a storm. What are we gonna? Do? No, like, like he's aware. As I said. Jesus could sleep through the storm because he was exhausted, but he could sleep because he knew his mission. And as sovereign creator of all things, he, he created the very wind and waves that were now battering the boat. Now now hang on, you may be thinking, I don't wait wait a second. way back in Genesis 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, now I said, we're going to see both, both sides of Jesus' nature on, on display here. We're going to see his humanity, and that he's exhausted, he's asleep. We also see his divinity. The Bible declares absolutely 100% that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is why I say he created the wind and the waves. So John chapter 1 verse 3, this is in John's prologue to his gospel. He's kind of waiting to get into the, the meat of his gospel. He says this, speaking about Jesus, all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. He created all things. Apart from him, nothing was created. Everything that that is created, Jesus made. Paul, in Colossians 1.16, says it this way. He says, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all have been created through him and for him. So Jesus is in control because he created the wind and he created the waves. He hears the disciples' cries. He stands up and we're told he rebuked the wind. He said, silence, be still. And here's a really interesting point. I'd never picked up on this before. The, the word rebuked in, here in verse 39 is the exact same word that Jesus uses when he casts out a demon in, verse one, in chapter 1, verse 25, where it says he rebuked the demon. In fact, the, the Christian Standard Bible uses the same word for both. Trans, translates both of them, silence. In chapter 1, verse 25, Jesus tells the demon, be silent. Jesus has the same power over nature that he does over demons. Why? Because he's sovereign over everything. That means that we can trust him in everything. No matter what we face, we can trust him because he is in control. And finally, we all have to answer this question who then? is this. Verse 41, and they were terrified. Apparently the only thing scarier than thinking you're going to be killed by wind and waves is realizing that you have the creator of the wind and the waves in the boat with you. To the point, I mean, their, their terror just shifted from one way, from, from one thing to another, Right? Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. We all have to answer this question. Who is this man? How did he do the things that, that the Bible clearly says that he did? By, by the way, we have four gospel writers, four independent accounts of, of Jesus' life and ministry on the earth. We see countless times where things that were prophesied hundreds of years earlier. In fact, this morning, I, I was reading in Isaiah 53 where the, the prophet Isaiah lays out 700 years before Christ is born what it will look like for For the one sent by God to be crushed for our iniquities. To be pierced for our transgressions. By the way, that's 700 years before Christ is born. That's several hundred years before crucifixion is invented. And Isaiah describes almost to a T what crucifixion would look like. What it would look like for the Messiah, the one sent by God to suffer on our behalf. We see Jesus doing things that only God can do, like casting out demons, healing diseases, calming storms. We see Jesus teaching in a way that baffled everybody who heard him because he didn't just say, this is what so-and-so says about this passage. This is what so-and-so says about this passage. He would rather teach and say, this is what this means. Remember the, the crowd heard him and said they were amazed because he taught as one who had authority, not as their own teachers of the law did. So the Bible proclaims that, that God created everything good. He created us to be in right relationship with him, but because of sin, which is choosing our way over God's way because of sin we are separated from God. The Bible says we've each gone our own way. And it says that that sin deserves eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But it's good news. The Bible says that God sent Jesus, his only son, to take our place, to take our sin. He made him who knew no sin, as we saw at the beginning, to be sin for us, that in him, we might become the righteousness of God, that he would take our sin, and in turn, he would give us his righteousness. We could be brought back into right relationship with God the way he designed it. We get to pursue God's design for our lives. And it all comes down to this question. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Maybe you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe maybe you need to do the same thing that Cheyenne did yesterday. Follow through in baptism like she did this morning. If so, I'm going to share with you in just a few moments how you can do that. But maybe you're here and you've been a follow, follower of Christ for a long time, and, and I still think we have to wrestle, even as, as, as those who would say we are followers of Christ, those, those who have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we still need to ask this question, who then is this? Remember, this is the very question the disciples asked. These men who left everything and were following Jesus every single day, and they still had to wrestle with this question who is this what, what what does it mean to trust jesus in every area of my life where where are those areas that i'm i'm not willing to to give up control see where jonah failed jesus succeeded in, in, in the passage this morning, if, if you read the, the short story of Jonah, the, the four chapters in the Old Testament, you'll see so many parallels between that, that story and this one. And what we see here is that Jesus is the better Jonah who trusted God in the middle of a storm. Folks, make no mistake about it. God is at work, even when it doesn't feel like it. I heard a great quote one time and it stuck with me and I think this is, this is helpful. That is, never come to your conclusion about God based on your current circumstances. Never come to your conclusion about God based on your current circumstances. What, what do you think the disciples were thinking about God in the middle of the storm? I think they were thinking, man, we just need to wake Jesus up and he'll, he'll calm everything down. I mean, with the word, he'll, he'll, he'll say the word and he can, he can stop it all. You, or, or do you think they, their faith even went a step further and thought, you know what, we can just let Jesus sleep because he's, he is God. He's in control of this. And, and even though it looks kind of bad, he, he, not, nothing's going to happen. No, you know why I think they woke Jesus up? Because they needed help. They, they needed they need another hand to help with the boat. Go to him, are you kidding me? Are you asleep? Aren't you going to help us? See, if they had based their conclusion on who God was in the middle of the storm, in the middle of their fear about the storm, they would have come to the wrong conclusion about God. Instead, Jesus calmed the storm, showed them something about who he was that stretched their faith beyond what they even thought possible when they left the shore. Don't base your conclusions about God based on your current circumstances. Okay, then what do I base my conclusions about God on? I'm so glad you asked. You guys ask really good questions. For one thing, in the Bible, we have thousands of years of history of people who have walked with God. Some that, that set great examples for us to follow, some that set great examples for us to avoid. Specifically in the New Testament, we have 2,000 years of history of where, how Jesus walked the earth, how he interacted with people, how the early believers followed him. writer of Hebrews says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Not only do we have the, the Bible, which is the basis for our understanding of who God is, we also have those that have gone before us in following after Christ who have set the example of what it means to follow Christ. Maybe, maybe on this Father's Day, maybe you have, a, you have an earthly father who followed Christ well. Godly mom who showed you what trusting in Jesus in the middle of tough circumstances look like? Maybe you can think of a neighbor, a Sunday school teacher, someone in your life who who shared the gospel with you. You know, the simple fact is that we are here 2,000 years after Jesus walked the earth because someone shared the gospel with us. We came to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We can rely on those in the middle of bad circumstances. We can see how men and women who've gone before us have trusted in Christ in the middle of really bad situations. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never taken that step to trust in Christ Jesus. I want to share with you really quickly how you can do it. And as, as I told Cheyenne yesterday before I led her through, through this prayer, that this is no spiritual pixie dust. These aren't magic words. This is just some, some words to help you frame what a prayer to to God, asking him to be your savior looks like. And it's just this. Lord Jesus, my life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. Amen. It's that simple. That, that's just some, some words for you to pray, to, to place your faith and your trust in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here, and you've, you've never prayed that before right now. If so, in just a mo- few moments, we're going to stand, and we're going to sing a song of response. I'll be right down front. I would love to, to visit with you. At the end of the service, I'll be in the back. You can always come and and, and grab me and say, Kyle, I need to know a little bit more about what it means to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and, and, and you'd say, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. I've put my faith and in, in trust in him, but I've never followed through in baptism like Cheyenne did this morning. That's what I need to do. I need to, I need to, to follow in, in obedience to baptism. To, as a public declaration that my faith is in Christ Jesus. If that's you, again, same thing. I'll be down front. You can catch me at the back love to visit with you about that. Folks, this morning, let us understand, let us believe that Almighty God is always in control, no matter what the circumstances look like at the moment. May we trust in the God who calms the storm. can we believe and spur one another on to belief that no matter what we face he's the creator of all things he's in control of all things and we can trust him in all things let's pray father we thank you for this morning thank you for this great passage that points us your sovereign power and authority over all things. You who with a word calmed the storm. May that encourage us this morning no matter what we face in life no matter what difficulty we encounter you are still in control you are still good. May we walk through the difficulties of life. Trusting in your goodness, seeking to live our lives for your glory. That as we do, the gospel might be proclaimed about your goodness. I thank you so much for, for Cheyenne and for saving her yesterday, for for grabbing hold of her heart and moving her from death to life in Christ Jesus. For her stand this morning and and being baptized and declaring that that she is a follower of Christ. I pray there are others in the room this morning whom you would call in the exact same way. God, help us to not base our conclusions about you based on current circumstances. May we trust what the Bible has declared. May we trust those who have gone before us and followed the examples of those who have followed Christ. Walk with us each and every day. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.